All right, there we go. Hi. Oh, goodness. I knew you'd be able to hear me, even if I had to yell the whole time. I would make it happen for you. Um, I just want to start off today um, with a little reading. So instead of jumping right into the sermon and um, what God has to bring forth today, um, I just kind of want us all to take a minute, um, recognize Mother's Day for what it is. Um, And I'm just going to ask if everybody would just take a deep breath. I'm going to read this and just try and and be with these words now. It's called The Wide Spectrum of Mothering by Amy Young. It starts and it says, To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have a warm and close relationship with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, We mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst today. We remember you. Didn't cry through the whole thing. So that's a win. Thank you, God, for mothers. Thank you for this poem. Thank you for this reading. Thank you for this wide spectrum, God, of women that you have called um, into your glory to be disciples, to be warriors. God, I just bless them today and every day. Lord, um, through the trying parts, through the parts where they just want to cry through and scream through and. 
just rejoice through, God. I just, I just bless them today and every day. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thanks, moms. Uh, thank you, Chelsea. So today, um, just kind of like we heard, it's not an easy day for everyone. I remember last year um, on Mother's Day, I read the same reading um, going through um, infertility treatments. And I remember it being a really difficult day, um, even though it had been you know, years of going through these you know, doctors saying no, 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 um, over and over again. And then to read this poem on Mother's Day, I was like, man, really, can we do anything harder? Like, this is, this is really hard. Um, you know, and what we're going to talk about today is just this beautiful mom begging for the crumbs of Jesus' ministry to heal her daughter. And, um, you know, today, here I am, a month away from giving birth to a baby girl. Oh, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> so... God is good. Mothers are good. You guys are good. This is a safe and beautiful community. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Uh, So, um, part of what we're talking about today, again, is this woman, this mom, who um, is desperate, and she's empty, and she's ready, um, and she's being vulnerable and brave in the presence of Jesus. And we're going to unpack this more as we move on, Um, but if you are... um, having a hard time on this day, or even if you're having a great time on this day, um, and it's a wonderful celebration for you, um, be encouraged by the vulnerability of this mom um, and the brokenness of her as a woman in the margins of society and and of life. So today is a new series, Drawn to the Margins. We are out of seasons, which is where we've been throughout Lent, um, and now we are being drawn to the margins. And each week we're going to be talking about how Jesus conducted most of his ministry on the margins of society. He went to where it was hard. He went to where it was uncomfortable, um, where people typically didn't go. Um, And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, So we'll throw up slide one. Um, It says, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's in Mark 2. Um, this is who Jesus is uh, and who he cares about. People that are far from the powerful, um, the people that the world despises and looks down upon or puts in their own separate box. Um, and Jesus spent a lot of his ministry there, um, which is different than how Pharisees and other people were doing ministry back in his time. So, um, and and while we should, should and can heed his example to go to these hard, overlooked places in our own lives, in our own ministry, um, I really want us to take away something a little different um, as well as we're in this series. So for the next four or five weeks, not only, yes, you're called to go to these hard places, to the uncomfortable, to the, to the difficult, but that you and I and we are also in the margins. We are part of that margin. We are part of this outside part. Um, And Jesus came for us, too. So throughout the next few weeks, remember that as well. Um, We don't have to adopt this idea that 
because Jesus did it, we're going to go out and save the world with our holy God complex and go to the hardest parts. But, but in fact, like God has come to be with us as well. Um, and he does it better than we ever could. So um, he came to save us. So today, we're diving into a text. When I first read it a few weeks ago, I was like, seriously, are we really reading this on Mother's Day? Like, this is the worst. It is about a mom who, I, when I first read it, I was like, she is getting into an argument with Jesus, and they're kind of fighting, and it's weird, and then she has this possessed daughter and I was like, this is not Mother's Day material. What are we doing here? I was like, can't we talk about, like, Jesus' mom or something a little more motherish? Um, but when I read it over and over and over again, I was like, all right, I see what you're doing here. Like, this mom is desperate for healing for her daughter, and she is coming to Jesus to do big things for her. Um, So what we're going to see is that Jesus loves to do these big things when we come to him hungry and desperate with radical need. And he does big things at the margins. So let's just go ahead and dive in and look at the text and talk about margins in relations to place first. So next slide, margin is a place. Um, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. So, um, this Jesus, first off, it's important that we see in the very beginning that Jesus went to Tyre. This was part of, probably the furthest north that he ever went in his ministry. Um, I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and throw up that map that's next. So if you see Tyre and Sidon, it's at the very top here. And Jesus spent most of his ministry not up there. At the top, you're going to recognize some of these bottom names up here: Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Galilee. All of the stuff. It's kind of further down. So this was the furthest that he made it up north um, during his ministry, and he had just spent some time with some Pharisees, dropping truth bombs about how they were continuing to be really rigid and legalistic about eating these unclean and clean foods. And he was like, "All right, we're done with this." Food is not unclean. Like, we're, we're over this part now. Um, and so he was like, I need a break from all of these crazy Pharisees for a minute. So he went to Tyre, and he's trying to get into this house, and he doesn't want anybody to know that he's there. Um, so this area, Tyre and Sidon and Syrian Phoenicia, is uh, primarily made up of Gentiles. So not a lot of Jews were there. And not a lot of Jews went there. Um, it sent a message to everybody that Jesus went this far north and into a primarily Gentile area. Um, this was also one of the very first times that Jesus included Gentiles in his ministry. Up until this point, he was, it was mostly Jews that he was talking to and working with and um, teaching to. So... Um, So just like Jesus takes a trip outside the bounds of Israel, we're not supposed to avoid these places in ourselves and others that are more resistant and most resistant to the gospel. We have to go there anyway, in our own hearts and others' hearts. 
Um, so let's keep going in 24. You don't have to put it back up, but um, it says at the end of the verse that he didn't know, he didn't want anybody to know that he was there. But for some reason, he just could not keep his presence a secret, <laughs> um, which was kind of what happened throughout all of his ministry. It seems like he was drawing crowds left and right, like he had to get on a boat to get away from all of these people. Um, so he was trying to hide out in this house, um, and people still knew he was there. Uh, just like if Jesus was present in your home, you would know it. And if he's not present in your home, you'd know that too. Um, so in the beginning of Mark 7, before we start, before it starts where he went to Tyre, it says um, that he was talking about clean and unclean food, and he decides to act out now what he's been teaching the Pharisees. He was like, all right, there's no more unclean food, and I'm paraphrasing this, obviously. There's no more unclean food. And now he decides to be like, okay, let me teach you that there are not unclean people. Um, and that's what this story is about. This mom, this Gentile, this marginalized woman. He moves from this theology of division and legalism and rules and all of this stuff to this ministry of relationship. Um, and he does this by literally walking to the margins and visiting with this marginalized woman. So let's talk about margins as people. Um, in fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Mark 7, 25 through 27. So you can see where I'm like, all right, this is a weird answer that Jesus gave her. I don't want to give your food to the dogs. And basically kind of calling her a dog in this. But we're going to break it down. Don't worry. Um, so she's a Syrophoenician woman. She's already on the margins of society because she's a woman. Um, as most of you know, hopefully... Just many, many years ago, and even still today, women are marginalized um, and treated differently. Uh, and this was especially true in her time. Um, because, and then she's also on the margins of Jesus' ministry because she's a Gentile. So she's different than all of these other people, the Jews, um, and they looked at her differently. Many marginalized people in the Bible were women, um, and Jesus loved like letting women display his glory, um, which is really, really awesome. And I think that's a real testament to who Jesus is and who he, how he thinks of women. Um, so just a side note for that. Um, but consider um, these other women, like the woman at the well. At the well. Um, so she was in Samaria. Typically Jews would go around Samaria to to like take the long way because they didn't like the Samaritans at all. And so, but Jesus was like, no, I'm going to just walk right through. Um, and he went straight through and met this broken woman at the well and to talk and offer her living water. Um, and there was this other woman who um, was caught in the midst of adultery. And instead of condemnation like the rest of the crowd, Jesus restored her dignity 
and changed the conversation um, and told people, well, you without sin cast the first stone. Um, so he loved women. Uh, he, a lot of the women that he did ministry with were marginalized. Um, and it's his ministry. He loves to see them display his glory. So um, when I first read this passage back in 4, um, I thought that Jesus was arguing with this woman. Like I thought they were about to like have it out. Um, just because of the, it just didn't, it felt rude to me or, um, harsh and like different than the way that Jesus talked to people typically. Um, uh, when she requested that he heal her daughter. Um, but after reading it, I think that instead Jesus was drawing out her faith in this moment. This is her calling her out because he's not only calling out her faith, but trying to teach the disciples something in this moment too because they're there at the house with him um and sometimes he's gonna wait and heal us as he's drawing us out as well so she's on the floor it says that she fell to her feet and she's begging him to heal her daughter so she's falling down she's getting low and even this act itself that act in itself is a marginalized position like, she's low. She's not standing up. She's not approaching him one-on-one. She is at the feet of Jesus begging him to heal her daughter, um, which is incredible faith for a Gentile woman to do this to, um, for Jesus. Uh, she just wanted a little bit of his ministry. So why did Jesus say the dog comment? So we did a little research on this because it, stumped me. Um, So the word dog that he uses um, when he says, you know, uh, first let the children eat all they want for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Um, It doesn't mean, it means little dog or house dog, domesticated dog. Um, It doesn't sound much better, but Typically, when Jews say dog, it was meant as contempt. Um, Like, even in Philippians, it says, don't give dogs what is holy. Um, It's typically an insult to do this. Um, But that word was used more in a friendly term. Um, He used this diminutive form of dog, saying, there's a place for you in this house, basically. Um, And as I think through this encounter... I think that Jesus is showing, like, this is the moment where he's telling the disciples, pay attention. I have something to show you here. Um, This is how you're used to relating to people. Like, tune in right now. Um, God wants to encounter you with surprising people at the margins to show us our own discrimination, our own learning, and our own hope. Um, And he had to, in this moment, teach the disciples the dignity of all people. Um, Just like we talked about earlier, um, wiping away unclean foods, he had to use this woman as an example of wiping away unclean people. Um, It's this, again, this ministry where relationship and theology kind of combine. So let's just keep going and press in as margins, um, as a perspective. So she replies to him, um, yeah, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. 
Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So in verse 28, she calls Jesus Lord or master in other versions. Um, So she honors him in her response to his first thing, talking about the dogs. Um, The question I have is, do we call out Lord when we're aching? Do we call out Lord when we're broken, when we're so desperate for healing? Is our first instinct to still call him master and king and Lord? Maybe. Um, Or is it our first instinct to run to the phone and tell someone else what we're going through? I had a friend in college who was like, I keep running to the phone instead of running to the throne. You can use that. It's not trademarked. (laughs) Um, So um, is that our first instinct to to call out Lord when we're hurting? Um, And then she, she follows it up by saying, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She was saying that even the crumbs of your ministry, even the little, little, littlest bit is enough to help my daughter, is enough. Um, And even the smallest bit of you is enough for her healing. And we see this faith displayed time and time and time again um, in scripture. Uh, In Mark 5, there was a woman who had been bleeding for many, many years, and she reached out knowing that if she just touched the cloak of Jesus, his, his clothes, not even his person, that it would be enough for her um, to make her whole. And in Luke 7, um, Jesus healed a centurion's servant. And the centurion was like, I'm not even worthy for you to come in my house. If you just say that he's healed, he's healed. Um, knowing that Jesus didn't even have to come and see his ill servant. He could just say it. Um, and that was enough. Uh, their great faith for even just a taste, just a little of Jesus was enough to heal. And Jesus says the same thing to this mom. Um, For such a reply, you may go. She's healed. Um, Do you, do I, do we believe that Jesus is powerful enough to heal? Um. that even just a little bit of Jesus is more than enough to believe the biggest things. My dad um, has been dealing with chronic pain for four plus years now. Um, Doesn't work anymore, uh, can't work, has been in and out of surgeries, has so many different like weird wires and things in his back now that it is crazy. Um, I It would take me hours to tell you everything that's been going on. Um, Do I believe, does he believe, do we believe that it's enough, just a little bit of Jesus is enough to heal him? That's something that's been going on for years and years. That's something that I struggle with, I mean, daily when I talk to him on the phone. Is Jesus, is just a little bit of Jesus enough? Do I, can I believe this today and tomorrow and the next day and day after day? Just, yes, Jesus, you are still enough. I believe that you could do this. Um, in Luke 18, 
I'm jumping all over because this is not, this, the scripture that we're doing today is not, it doesn't stand alone. There's so many things that are similar to this because I believe that Jesus tells similar stories to help get them through our thick skulls sometimes because um, mine is super thick and I need a little repetition to make it a little bit better. So he tells this parable about this persistent widow and it's a widow that keeps going to this judge who's unjust over and over again asking for justice asking for justice time after time, time after time. And this guy's unjust, but he finally is like, fine, I'm just going to give you what you want because I don't want you to like attack me one day because I'm tired of listening to you. Like, I'm just going to give you, I'll, I will give you justice against your adversary. Um, and then it says in the next slide um, in Luke 18, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Um, God responds to the hungry, and he responds to the humble, and he's pleased when we're attentive and desperate for the Father's delights in meeting our needs. Um, Another one in Matthew says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So God, he is delighting when we're desperate for him. He would delight in giving us the crumbs of his ministry, even just a taste. But the elephant in the room, back from our, our main point of scripture, we are the outsiders here. We are the dogs. We are the ones on the margins. Those that were closest in proximity to Christ, the ones that were following him day in, day out, they were the ones that needed the biggest heart change. Not this woman who um, who knew that just a little bit of Jesus was enough. The significant faith of her showed desperation, and it's, it was beautiful in comparison to the Pharisees' ugliness just before in, in Mark, right before. It was so ugly, and she's beautiful. Jesus wants the hungry ones. Does your faith stick around in your pain? Do we call out, Lord, in the most broken parts of your story? I mean, just a reminder, this is a mom who is desperate because her daughter is possessed by a demon and she can't do anything about it like and if you know any moms and their kid is sick and they can't do anything about it there is nothing more desperate it is the most desperate that you can feel um and jesus is drawn there over and over and over again to the margins he chooses these places And if you're feeling marginalized in any way in your work, in your life, in your gender, in your whatever, know that you're chosen. Jesus chooses you. You are his. And you're his favorite. You are amongst his favorites. Um, Another question I wanted to pose just for everybody here to think about is, is this a safe community to be broken in? Um, and that's hard for me being on staff here. Um, this is a hard question for me to even ask myself too. Is this a safe community to be broken in? And I want to say yes, but 
I am convicted that maybe it's not sometimes, and um, I really want it to be. So um, we, we need to see each other as recipients of the margins and of Jesus' ministry. Every person, the person sitting next to us, in front of us, throughout the week, whatever it is, um, it's, it's powerful to see yourself accurately. Um, so there are some practical applications from, from this little piece of scripture. Um, one, pray for others. That's real faith. Authentic prayer for those who can't pray for themselves. Um, asking, keep asking over and over again, like this mom, like the persistent widow. Put a list on your fridge of people that you want to pray for. Every time you go to get something out of the fridge, pray for them persistently. Um, parents, um, speaking to you, you can't save your kids. That's not your job, but um, you can pray for them. I have a little illustration. My, my brother who I love, love so much and is one of my dearest, dearest friends who's three years younger than me, for a long, long time just continued to break my parents' heart over and over again. Uh, in my heart, just choices, bad choices. Um, and, you know, they were wondering, I don't know if he's ever going to come to know Jesus in his glory. Um, and to see that pain on their faces as parents and mine as a sister and uh, to know, like, man, I really want my brother to know who Jesus is and, um, and to really see him live that out. And, but it just was not looking like it was going that way. It was going another direction. Um, and then the Lord just kind of spoke to our family as a whole about the prodigal son and uh, not about how, you know, you know, my brother's a prodigal son, whatever. It, doesn't, it wasn't about that. It was about how the family responded um, and how the dad responded in that story. Um, he didn't necessarily go out searching to find his son. He was waiting. And when he came back home, he rejoiced and he celebrated um, so he kind of spoke to our family that we were just there to celebrate when he came back. Um, and he did, which is crazy. I even look at it now. Um, he's, like, serving in vacation Bible school in the summers, teaching Sunday school to kindergartners. Like, this, this man who was not even anywhere close to doing any of these things is now heavily involved in, in knowing and pursuing Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Um, and we were able to celebrate that as a family. So parents, take heart, pray for your kids, be ready to celebrate, because Jesus can do big things. Um, number two, don't stop the fight of faith. Just pray. To pray often is to persevere. Don't quit believing that even just a touch of Jesus or the crumbs from the table is enough for you and your healing. And then three, grow a faith that knows how to kneel and praise when you're hurt. Grow a faith that can still say, Lord, at your lowest point. We need to shift our thinking and our actions to that instead. So the next slide. The end of the story, she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. That is how it ends. 
The demon is gone. Um, so she went home. Do you think that she walked leisurely home? I doubt that very seriously. My guess is she was running home, and she sees her daughter lying on the bed, and the demon is gone. There's so much power here. When we submit ourselves to the power source of Christ in real life, it just happens. The church has failed in a lot of ways to live this out, but I'm not giving up hope um, that we can still be bold and have big, bold faith. Um, so as Chelsea kind of come back, comes back up and um, we continue in worship a little bit, um, just, just reflect on that, that faith piece that is my faith. Do I have enough to believe that Jesus, even just a touch, even just a little is enough for me and my family? Um, like this mom, the crumbs of his ministry is enough. Um, pray that God will continue to transform your faith to be able to say Lord in the deepest, darkest parts of your story. And that you would realize that you are part of the margins and Jesus came for you. Um, you too. So, God, um, I, I thank you that your ministry was to the marginalized. And I thank you that you teach us through it. Thank you for the story of this woman who begged for the crumbs of your ministry to see healing um, in a place where other people in this room didn't think she deserved to have any healing because she was a Gentile and a woman and, and whatever else. God, I just thank you that you um, you are a healer and we believe that today and every day. God, no matter how hard and how frustrating and how painful it is, Lord, we say yes and we say, Lord, we say master, we say king, um, today, tomorrow, and moving forward. Lord, um, you are good. Thank you.